Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hi, and welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. This is a show for entrepreneurs, for small businesses, for people that are out there doing it. And, you know, we're the small businesses and entrepreneurs are the people that will build this economy, will create the good jobs, the high-paying jobs, the technology jobs, and will change the economic fortunes of not only the U.S., but also the world. It's entrepreneurs and small businesses that will kickstart the economic recovery and build high-paying, high-skilled jobs for the 21st century, not the big dinosaurs that are listed on the Fortune 500, because small growth, diminishing workforce, and uh, they're not going to help us. One of the issues with small business is that 97% of all businesses go out of business in the first 10 years. Now, that's an appalling statistic that doesn't help either the economy or unemployment. And what do we hear from Obama and Romney campaigns? Nothing. This is an issue that's critical to the future of America and the world, and we're not hearing anything about what they're going to do for entrepreneurs and small businesses. You know, so we're going to have to do it ourselves. We need to develop mentor programs where successful people assist entrepreneurs in their businesses. So I urge you, no matter where in the world you are, to join a business or an entrepreneur's group, share your expertise, share your contacts, share your facilities even, in order to help other entrepreneurs to succeed. You know, it's really interesting that... um, most entrepreneurs think that their businesses fail because of the concept, the project, or through lack of money. But um, studies show that 72% of all these businesses that fail don't fail for those reasons at all. They fail because of a poor business model, lack of business plan, lack of leadership, lack of management, um lack of marketing, lack of good HR, lack of financial control, lack of operation. There's a whole bunch of just plain, straight business disciplines that fail these companies. So if you surround yourself with mentors, with a group of people that have all got different skill sets and are all successful, you won't fail because of those reasons. We assume you've got a good product. If you've got a good product, there's plenty of money out there to finance you. Make sure you've got those other ducks in a row so that you will succeed. Now, I saw a a good article in Time magazine online a couple of days ago about how to get a startup company off the ground inexpensively as, you know, most likely well, you won't have a lot. And the money that you do have would be better spent on R&D and marketing. So what are some of the ways you can stretch your startup dollars? Office space, 
phone service, business software. They're just a few of the places that you can look for cost savings. For office space, consider a co-working space, an office shared with startups just like yours. There's plenty of them around. That'll give you a place to put your laptop, give you internet access, a conference room, and an instant network of other entrepreneurs at below market rates. Actually, in both the longer and shorter term, the network entrepreneurs helping you develop your product, giving you advice and important contacts can be unbelievably valuable. One of the most expensive parts of running any business, and my business, for example, which is global and therefore includes telephone calls all over the world on a daily basis, phone bills used to kill me. I mean, my phone bills used to be $20,000 a month. However, now I live on Skype, which provides me near free phone calls anywhere on the planet, all the time. There are a number of these services which are voice, called voice over IP. Um, services like Skype and Google Voice, um, Vonage, there's a whole bunch of them. They can save you an absolute fortune. In my case, they've sold me, they've saved me fifteen to eighteen thousand dollars a month. Another place to save is on productivity software. You can either spend two hundred bucks plus on full featured versions of Microsoft Office or consider alternatives like the online Office 365, Google Docs, or even an open source offering like OpenOffice or LibreOffice. By using a service like Elance as well, um, I use Elance all the time for a wide range of things that I can, that I need. Graphic design, copywriting, a whole host of things. You'll be astounded at how many offers you get to do your work, how good the work is, and really how inexpensive it is. It gives you the opportunity to go online, look at people's portfolios or what they've done, and it can really save you a fortune. So remember, Elance, for example, which is just E-L-A-N-C-E, get online, check it out. It's really fantastic. Now, one of the biggest issues facing small business is while your product might be great and, you know, you can get access to the, to the funding you require, you need to do that properly. You need to come up with a really strong four or five page investment document, not a business plan, but an investment document aimed at the investor to tell him what you've got, why there's a need for it, how big that need is, how you're going to penetrate that need, what your management and advice structure is. This can be your board of directors or your management, what that structure is um, and what sort of return, what sort of money you need, what you're going to do with that money and what sort of return the investor can expect to get. And it needs to be really tight, really concise, four pages be terrific. Now, if the, and then present it face to face if you can. 
Go and see them. Show them the energy, the passion that you've got for, for your project. And that will help you enormously. If you send it over the internet, uh, over email, then it doesn't have that pizzazz, that personality. It, it's just a flat piece of paper. And more often than not, you'll get blown off. So once you get past that, wow, I'm interested, because what, what, the, what the investment proposal does is that when you walk into their office, they've got all the aces. They've got the money. You're in there begging for their money. You've got nothing going for you. However, if you get them really interested through the investment proposal, then the, there's a paradigm switch. All of a sudden, you've got the aces because you've got what they want. So money isn't the most important thing then. The product project is. So make sure you get that really hot in four-page investment document. Now, I was flicking through time again online, and uh, I found an article called 11 Reasons Why a 23-Year-Old Shouldn't Run Your Social Media. And uh, I loved it. I thought it was great. Now, just because you don't understand social media doesn't mean that you should forfeit all common sense and hire your niece or your nephew or any other recent college graduate just because they're really good on social media. If your business targets the young and hip, you know, look look for a recent grad because they will definitely help your business. So, but social media, while it's important, is still only a part of your overall marketing strategy. So you really shouldn't trust your entire social media efforts to somebody who's newly graduated. Now, these are the five, these are the 11 reasons that were given in time. Firstly, they're not mature enough. Until late in their 20s or early 30s, this is according to research from Clark University, young adults today tend to feel unstable, self-focused, and would rather explore who they are and how they can transform their lives. This is great for them, but not so great for the employer particularly since social media is all about communicating with your audience in mature and accountable ways. Secondly, they could be focused on their own social media activity. How do you know how they're actually spending their time? Thirdly, they might not have the same etiquette or experience. Now, that makes a big difference when you're trying to communicate your beliefs and what we you stand and the passion that you have for your business, they may not be able to project that as well. Your posts need to reflect your brand. Fourthly, you can't control their friends. Even if you hire a real winner, you need to be sure that his or her friends won't post inappropriate content possibly on your company's social media accounts. The fifth reason not to hire a 23-year-old to run your social media is because no education can replace on-the-job training. Social media for business is really so many things all wrapped into one. It's marketing, it's customer service, it's public relations, it's crisis management, it's branding. You know, you need to look at how extensive the experience of the young person you hire is. The sixth reason, 
They mightn't understand your business. They need to really understand your business before they can communicate, even on, in social media terms, about who you are, what you stand for, and really relate to those customers. Point number seven is that communication skills are critical. Many young people have not yet learned the art of communication. You need to make sure, need to make sure that your hire knows how to read between the lines rather than taking things too seriously. Also, if any humour that's used in social media needs to be extremely appropriate, and people like to be entertained on social media as well as anywhere else. So will your young hire understand the boundaries of humour appropriate to the the target audience that you have? The ninth reason is that Social media savvy is not the same as technical savvy, and good social media requires both. The penultimate reason is that social media management can rapidly turn into crisis management, and you really need to be thinking a few steps steps ahead. So are you, you know, are you really ready to take that risk? Finally, if you go ahead and hire a new grad, make sure he or she sets up everything in your name, and so that if they leave... They don't take the farm with them. So it's very important in business. Social media is a critical part of communication these days, but you just need to make sure that you do it really correctly. And uh, somebody that's experienced in all forms of, of marketing, communication is critical to have. Now, remember, having a great product is only 10 to 15% of the battle. Having money is another 10 to 15% of the battle. 85% of the battle, or 70 to 80% of the battle, is your ability to run a business and manage people. Now, don't forget to email me at bob at bobpritchard.com. Tweet me at the Bob Pritchard. Join me on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Google+. Contact me in any way that takes your fancy. Send me a bloody carry pigeon. I don't give a rat. Just don't ignore me. I'm Bob Pritchard. And I'll be back in just a moment with my first guest. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. 
would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basili is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basili, radio to thrive by. Tune in for What About Wealth every week to learn the vital answers to your questions about creating wealth, investing it, donating it, and protecting it. Your hosts are Rich Bloomfield and Rick Durfee, who explain the principles that govern wealth in terms you can understand. Building and preserving positive wealth requires correct action, but few people know how wealth really works. Listen every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and find the answers you need about wealth. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to Bob at bobpritchard.com that's bob at bobpritchard.com now back to the show welcome back to the bob pritchard no bullshit business radio show this program is all about helping you listeners in small business with advice that will assist you to build your businesses to make more profit employ more people and let's get america working again and not just america we've got listeners all over the world and we're here to help you also. Every week, we bring you guests that are successful and who make it their business to help other businesses. Today, I've got with me Dr. Bob Kriegel, who is a New York Times best-selling author and who U.S. News and World Report calls one of the country's leading authorities in the field of change and human performance. He's been a commentator on NPR's Marketplace program, which I listen to all the time. He's done two specials for PBS, and he's taught at Stanford's Executive Management program. The New York Times says Bob's work spurred a revolution in performance practices. His books also include many bestsellers, and among them, If It Ain't Broke, Break It, as well as Sacred Cows, Make the best burgers. I wish I had a thought of that. It's hard to think of names for books, and that is a killer. Bob, welcome to the show. Great. Thanks a lot, Bob. Uh, one of my passionate themes for about 20 years now is that traditional marketing and advertising no longer works. Um, and we have to be innovative. We have to be ahead of the curve. And one of my sort of mantras is it's not the size of the budget that counts anymore. It's the size of the idea. So why can't we use traditional thinking and strategies today? I mean, they, they worked 10 years ago. Well, I mean, that's exactly the point, that it did work 10 years ago. And when I worked in advertising many years ago, you know, TV, oh, that was the mecca. But, you know, everything is changing. Um, the digital revolution has changed 
the way people get information, the way they communicate, the way they buy products, the way they get entertainment. It's changed everything. And, you know, that's not the only thing. Global marketing has changed everything. So one of the things that I talk and write about is if you want to keep ahead today, you can't you can't keep playing by yesterday's rules and yesterday's thinking. And TV advertising, which is down, uh, I read a couple of months ago from, I forget the exact numbers, but it's about 25 to 30% of what it was. Yeah, the true. reason for that is that the digital revolution has created social marketing and hundreds of ways that people, that companies, big and small, can reach their clients, communicate uh, new products and ideas, and do it on the cheap. You know, I, I thought an interesting example was um, when Lady Gaga first came out. Yeah. Um, uh, they tried to get on the radio. That's the traditional way you get pop singers uh, their exposure. Sure. But the radio said, well, no, she's not a tradition. So what they did... She hooked up with a couple of her friends' websites. She got on Facebook. She got on Twitter. She got on YouTube. She got all of that. And all of a sudden, her name exploded at a cost of, hey, nothing. And now the rate, you know, now she's world now famous. She's massive, yeah. And I, I did the same thing. I worked for the Toy Industry Association. And one of the beliefs they had, the traditional way of marketing toys, was you got to have a big presence on TV, and then the stores will stock you. And but what's happening is the to a lot of toy manufacturers said, "Hey, wait a minute. Our uh, our market, our kids. You know, kids asking mommy for a toy. Kids going out buying it themselves. What do kids do? They ain't watching TV. You know, they're diddly beep 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 beep. You know, on the you know on their cell phone, on their this phone, on that, on Facebook, on Twitter, and so a lot of the big toy manufacturers and the small little guys started using that same thing that Lady Gaga did, which is social marketing. And big companies today are using social marketing in innovative ways. One of the stories I like to use is we've all heard of the Aflac duck, you know, Aflac, yeah, Aflac. It. And Aflac has 180,000 friends on Facebook, a duck. <laughs> so, um, you know, companies are really expanding the way they can reach, uh, reach their audience, get a new audience, communicate the latest uh, products and services, what they're doing. So don't get stuck in yesterday's thinking in uh, uh, today's game or you ain't going to be around tomorrow. One of the other points, I think, is that people are changing. Um, traditional advertising is companies yelling at you, seeing who can yell the loudest, where um, today people want dialogue. They want, a, they want an exchange. They want information. They're, they're a different audience, aren't they? Well, I think that, that what people realize today with this advent of social marketing is that everything's interactive. Yep. And uh, people want more. They want more information. They want a connection with that, with that uh, company that is selling them a product. I mean, one of the great examples, I think, is Apple. I mean, aside, we all know that, you know, how innovative they are and what a cool company they are. I'm telling you, you have a product, 
uh, a problem with Apple, you call up, you get you get a voice on the phone, you talk to them, they give you great information, and you know I feel like I have an, a dialogue with with that company, and I trust them. And the install and, uh, service is phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, the install is is incredible. Yeah, the Genius Desk. You know, I mean, one of the things that they do, and if you look at their retail, they have created a whole different, they've broken all the rules of retail. You know, the old rules are, you know, you got to be in the center of the mall. Uh, you got to be, for a computer store, you got to be um, a separate area, you know, where you can drive your car in and park and all that. They're in the center of the mall. They have everybody there can write you up a product. Because, uh, you know, just click, click. You want to buy that? Oh, yeah, hit click. Anybody does it. And what has also become is, and this is one of the things I talk about, is it's expanded the idea of retail. You know, the old barriers of what your product is or what your service is have really, you know, have really crumbled down. And what they have now, yeah, I mean, what they have now is, the Apple store is like a, it's like a hangout. Yeah, you know, yeah, you great. got people there. It's, it's mob. You got people there singing songs. You got people there writing books. You got people having sex in the corner. I mean, you got everything going on. And there's, it's like, uh, you know, it's like fun going to an Apple store. Yeah, it is. So they've recreated, uh, well, I, I think they've recreated, uh, retail. They have. My, lo- my local mall. Uh, here in in Los Angeles, it has now got a Lamborghini store in the mall selling <laughs> Lamborghinis at four hundred thousand each. I mean, it's changed. Yeah, um, I know. I know. It fact, always used to be, you know, walk in the middle of the sidewalk because it's safe. Now, yeah. why is it dangerous to play it safe today? Well, uh, we're not talking about the sidewalks or anything. Yeah, no, that's true. But, but you know. Really, what ha- what I'm talking about is companies that play what I call not to lose, which is playing it safe. You know, yeah. hey, let's wait and see what's going to happen. Let's not take any risks. Let's not get in overhead. The economy's tough. Let's cut everything. Cut back. Cut, you know, cut research and development. Cut advertising. Cut marketing. Cut promotion. Cut people. Cut inventory. And that strategy is a not to lose strategy. Because and it's what most people do, unfortunately. That's right. Except the smart companies. I, I uh, was talking to a CEO a couple of years ago about that, and he said, "You know, everyone in my industry is cutting back, and I know there's not as much business as there used to be, but I'm cutting forward." Yeah. He said, "What I'm going to do is I'm going to increase my advertising and c- increase my promotion, and look." You know, the business isn't great, but I'm going to increase my share of market. And when I get back there, you know, when the business comes back, I'm going to be way ahead of everybody else. And that's the kind of thing. IBM, a couple of years ago, in the worst recession ever, Sam Palmasano, the CEO, green-lighted three major projects. He cut forward. He played to win rather than playing not to lose. And uh, enormous profit as a result of that. Uh, Chevron, I just did some work for them, for their uh, lube, lubricants. Markets flat, 
uh, prices are going up. It's tougher, more competition, unbranded. What they do, they're building a billion-dollar plant so they can become the biggest one. So, again, they're cutting forward. You know, you look at the companies that played it safe. What did Kodak do? Hey, let's wait and see if digital cameras are, uh, are going to be a real thing. You know, let's stick with what we know, Phil. They're bankrupt. Polaroid, the same thing. What did blockbusters do? Let's wait and see if this online stuff is real and all that. You know, it's, you've been to blockbusters lately, you know. And there's a million examples of companies that played not to lose, that played it safe. And, uh, you know, they got, they got leapfrogged, they got passed by, and they became dinosaurs. Yeah, you don't win a football game by being safe. Now, That's right. You, you seem to believe, though, that the best companies and individuals don't react quickly to change. That, that's right. Isn't that a dichotomy? That a cross- well, that's only half the sentence, Bob. Okay. They don't react quickly to change. They create the change. Oh. You know, they're the ones that are out in front of the wave rather than waiting to see what will happen. They're proactive rather than reactive. They're making things happen rather than waiting for it to happen. They're playing to win rather than playing not to lose. You know, they're taking chances. They're rethinking rules. They're, re- they're redefining their role with the customer. You know, that's the whole thing we talked about before in the social marketing, interactive relationships. They're really looking to reinvent the game. And that's what's happened all over. The games are reinvented. You know, retail used to be this. uh, Hotels used to be that. Now you go to a hotel and it's really nice. And they got a brochure and they're going to, they could sell you the pillowcase, the sheets, the blankets. You know, they're all of a sudden in the retail business. You get Amazon started selling books. Now they'll sell you clutch plates, diapers, massages, anything you want. Everybody's, you know, one of the biggest things that's happening is companies are combining things that have never been combined before. You know, you got drugstores with banks, you got banks selling drugs, you got, I mean, you got everything. The, the old, the old labels don't fit anymore. Bob, we, we are unfortunately out of time, so I thank you very, very much for your time today. Now, if you would like to know more about Dr. Bob Kriegel and his tried and proven success method, methods that are used by lots and lots of the major corporations in America, go to www.kriegel.com. And we'll be back with some more of the Bob Pritchard No Bullshit radio program in just a few minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. 
Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at BobPritchard.com. Football and so much more is the focus of Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson. Join the former Arizona Cardinals running back for a show that mixes, well, a little bit of everything. Damian brings to the program life experiences playing football and will talk about his variety of successes both on and off the field. The goal is to provide you with a fun perspective on life, family, success, and of course, football. Tune in to Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Up to date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866 472 5790. 866 472 5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, this is the segment of the show where I speak to people who don't do the things that most of us do. They haven't invented anything earth-shattering, but have earned a place in the record books of history. These are people who have done the extraordinary. Today I'm speaking to my guest in Andorra, which, if you don't know, is a wonderful little municipality in the Pyrenees. I've been there a couple of times. It borders Spain and France, and uh, this wonderful little country is just one hundredth of the size of Greater Los Angeles. So that gives you an idea of just how small it is. Now, my first guest today lives there and is the first woman to climb Mount Everest from both sides as it, and is an infatigable adventurer. She's just returned from Pakistan, where she took a new route to climb Nanga Parbat, which is the ninth highest peak in the world, and the path she took was one of the few challenges remaining in the high Himalayas. She's also a great speaker who focuses on team dynamics and leadership, as well as stress management, And I can imagine that it's fairly stressful when you're halfway up Mount Everest with a few thousand feet drop below you. Not only would it be stressful, (laughs) I was just saying to Kathy, I went to uh, Disneyland yesterday and Splash Mountain scared the hell out of me. So I can't imagine what it's like to be hanging on on a sheer rock face on um, Mount Everest. And there's probably a lot of tension, I would imagine, between team members. So let's find out. Kathy, great to speak to you again. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Show. Thanks, Bob. It's great to be here. When I last spoke to you, you were setting off to Pakistan to climb Nanga Parbat, alpine style, no fixed ropes, no fixed camps, no oxygen, and you told me that it was likely that you would fail. Well, you've only just returned. How'd it go? Well... 
we succeeded. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Good. Trust me, that took me by surprise. Um, we succeeded. Uh, I didn't succeed. Out of our team of six, right. uh, four of us, well, we all battled on for far, far longer than we expected to. It, right. it took much longer than we anticipated. And we made a bid for the summit. Uh, and at that point, four of us decided we were basically done. Because it's not the marathon. You don't just sit down and call a taxi on your cell phone. Yeah. You've got to get down. So you've right. got to give up while you're still actually capable of still climbing. Yeah. Uh, so I took kind of the conservative decision and headed down. Two of our team, the strongest, stayed on. Right. They got the summit, and it has to be said that they nearly killed themselves. Right. So, you know, it's an interesting call about how much risk you're prepared to take, what success really means to you, what you're prepared to sacrifice to try and get to it. But in the end, we walked away. First descent, a new route in an 8,000-meter peak, one of the great challenges of the Himalaya. We're very, very pleased. But when you go as a team and uh, some of your team make it, is it is it like a soccer match where even if somebody's sitting on the bench, you should take credit for the victory? I think it's genuinely like anything. Um, the victory belongs to everybody because the two guys who got to the top wouldn't have been in a position to do it if the rest of us hadn't been working on the rest of the route with them. Yeah, sure. On, the, on their own, the whole thing was just too difficult. But, you know, a bit like the guy who scores the goal, history will remember them more than it will remember the rest of us. Yeah. And as climbers, we just we live with that. Yeah. And if you hope to have people climb with you again, you'd better acknowledge the help you receive yeah. <laughs> from yeah. everybody else. No good claiming it all for yourself. Uh, but also, we put our hand up and say, they took far bigger risks than we did in the end. They really put themselves right, right, right after the line, and they deserve the success they got. Great. Now, the first, you know, the first question that comes to my mind always when I think about, you know, hanging on a sheer face at twenty thousand feet or whatever, why the hell would you want to do that? Because it's fun. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> but it is. <laughs> it's absolutely fascinating. It isn't all fun. But, in fact, I think any major achievement is like that. The very fact that you have to fight for it, you have to slog through the difficult stuff, you have to hold yourself together when it gets frightening or it just gets boring, uh, that makes your success uh, that much sweeter uh, at the end. And it's people think of climbing as being uber-physical. That's just where you start from. It's an incredibly detailed mental game about risk management and mm. about managing the resources, very limited resources in very unusual and unstable conditions yeah. where you don't really know what's going to happen next. And what the challenge you're setting yourself is to manage yourself, your team, your resources in this completely uncontrollable environment and then see what you can do. Oh, it's great. <laughs> Yeah, right. Okay. So, are you afraid of dying, Kathy? Are you afraid of this might be my last trip? Mm. Yes and no. I'm, I'm not actually terribly afraid of being dead. Uh, that's going to happen. You know, there's no True. point trying to pretend it isn't at some point. 
but not I, necessarily today. I am not today. very keen on buying by inches in terrible pain in some remote location. So, mm. you, know, um, you know, I have a realistic and healthy fear of what can go wrong. But I also fear the life unlived. Mm. You know, the wrapping yourself in cotton wool and sitting on the sofa in the hope that somehow you get a few extra years that way. And the years go by and they're all identical and you've achieved nothing, you've learned nothing, you've, you haven't, you haven't learned, you haven't grown, you haven't challenged yourself, you haven't even failed spectacularly and learned that failing is okay. You know, you can survive that and pick yourself up and keep going. Mm. I've learned so much, grown so much from the challenges I've taken on in the mountains. It's worth the risk. Yeah, I, I think I've pushed the world pretty hard, but I haven't even climbed up a 10-rung ladder. But I've still, I've still managed to challenge myself considerably. Um, what's the most important thing that you learn from um, your Pakistan exhibit, uh, um, expedition or climbing Everest, what's the most important lesson to be learned from doing that? There are so many. Um, I guess I'd offer two. One is sort of metaphysical and the other is totally practical. Um, The more metaphysical one is just the I, and I suspect almost everybody, is capable of so much more than we assume. Absolutely. We tend to underestimate ourselves, and, and we tend to be lazy. You know, we tend to talk ourselves out of, of the difficult challenges, too. But, you know, on Everest, I never expected to get to the top. Even on this trip, you know, to the Mizeno Ridge, where I was a much more experienced climber, I still didn't actually expect us to succeed. And I, even though I didn't, I got far further along that ridge. You know, we didn't get close, close to the summit. Uh, again, I remind myself, even though I know myself pretty well by now and I'm pretty confident, mm. I'm actually capable of more than I think. But then I'd go, I'd go to somewhere else completely different, which is much more practical, which is the how easily you destroy success by just getting some little detail wrong. Yeah. We made a mistake early on on the ridge. We lost two days of climbing. If we'd been two days faster it's quite possible that all six of us would have got the summit. Right. And, and you don't know at the time, and you've got to live with the consequences. You can't undo it. But detail, detailed preparation and care in implementing every single step and aspect of something, it's so important. Couple, just a couple of really quick questions on that. Um, are you going to try it again? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, then um, original. No, no, I okay. mean, the, the whole idea never been done before. Now that it's been done, like, yeah. And now that I know how far it is and how difficult it is, it's like, no, thank you. <laughs> okay. But, the, but, yeah. uh, next expedition, December, uh, this we're is the trying. Chilean. Yep. Uh, yes, we've had to rejig it a bit, uh, being realistic about money and sponsorship. Uh, so we've got together a team of four. And we're trying to be the first all-female team to cross the northern Patagonian ice cap. So that's skis and sleds and epically bad weather and crossing, you know, giant glaciers. Good stuff. (laughs) We'll get to that in a minute. But um, the second second question is, um, is it harder to come down than it is to go up? Or is it coming down sort of kind of a breeze compared because I guess you can rappel a lot of the way down and things, can you? 
not necessarily. Coming down can mean a vast variety of things depending on the terrain. Overall, it's easier just because gravity is on your side, and that makes a huge difference. Yeah. And frankly, on a mountain that big, oxygen is on your side. The lower you go, the more oxygen you've got. True. However, the two big problems with going down, the one is because it's a mountain, you're almost certainly incredibly tired, and you've either failed or you've succeeded, but either way, you're possibly not concentrating all that well. Mm. Your mind has gone home while your body is still trying to slog itself down the mountain. Mm. Uh, the other problem, of course, is that gravity is with you, uh, and that's not always an advantage. Why? Fall going down, you're probably facing out because it's faster. Yeah. And if you fall, you tumble forwards and pick up momentum and start to roll or fall. Uh, things go wrong much faster when you're going down. Okay. Now, you're a great speaker. So how do these expeditions relate to business? What's the correlation between what you do for a living or profession and speaking and to, to a business audience? I think the correlations are really quite strong. But, of course, you've got to work in the, in the right area. Uh, businessmen do not need how to know how to climb a mountain, but I actually don't need to know how to make whatever widgets they make either because where we intersect is looking at ambitious, self-confident, A-type achievers trying to work in highly stressful, high-risk situations with a lot at stake, big goals. And these people are often not terribly good team players. They tend to be natural leaders or think of themselves or want to be leaders. Yeah. Uh, and they're all so busy leading that there's nobody left to actually do the work. Uh, and one of the things that interests me is how in these difficult, unpredictable, high-stress environments, you take these kind of people and get them to work together effectively as a team, get them to acknowledge that cooperation uh, is more useful than their natural urge to compete with each other. And climbers do this, and people high up in business do this. And they're much the same type of people. Sure. And this sure. is what fascinates me. And this is what I'm looking at, is how you get the, how it goes wrong with these types of people, how you can destroy a project, which you absolutely can, or how you get them to work together for maximum success on your project. And clearly, because I'm talking mountains, it's interesting. They wake up. They don't feel that I'm criticizing them, and they don't feel that they've heard it all before, and therefore they don't need to listen. Yeah. The whole point is to take them somewhere different and dramatic and unusual and then take them back into their own environments, all the parallels. Yep. And then, yeah, okay, <laughs> kind of see the point here. I do. I, I, I understand perfectly. Okay, just last question. Tell me a little bit about the Chilean adventure and what you're looking for, what you need. Uh, well, the... Uh, we do have a bigger project in mind, but realistically, we're going to have to put it down a couple of years down the road to get the right financing and right. to get the right team together. So we're using an expedition at the end of this year, partly as training and preparation towards that, but it's an objective in its own right. Right. And this is the first all-woman team to cross the northern Patagonian ice cap, uh, fourth biggest ice cap in the world, some of the worst weather in the world. 
uh, and it'll be three weeks out there on the ice, completely unsupported, uh, on skis, but they're walking on skis, pulling everything in sleds or, or in rucksacks, negotiating crevasses, uh, navigating on the ice cap. Uh, as being a modern expedition, we'll be sharing that story day by day with photographs, with vlogs, with video, sure. just as I did in the mountain. Yeah. And um, what we're, we're looking for about $30,000 in sponsorship for that okay. um, to, so, to put together the project we want to do. And when is it? Mid-December to mid-January, so end of this year. Okay. Kathy, thanks very, very much for talking to me today. Um, congratulations on the Nanga Parbat almost success. I'll give, you, I'll give you credit for it, even if you didn't quite make it to the end. And I look forward to hearing about how your Chilean adventure goes. Now, if you'd like to know more about Kathy, or if you have $30,000 that you'd like to put to a great cause and help the ladies, and you'll get oodles of um, uh, publicity out of it and promotion, and I'm sure um, Kathy would probably come and speak at your next event, uh, I will plug the hell out of you on the radio. So if you're interested in sponsoring the Four Girls Chilean Challenge, go to kathyodowd.com or send me an email here at bob at bobpritchard.com. I will pass it on to Kathy and uh, let's see if we can make their um, adventure just a little bit easier. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show in just a couple of minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Business Show. Coming to you this week from wonderful Los Angeles, where it has been hot. Blimey, it's and I believe there's something like 78 fires still blazing across this part of the country. So if you're in a fire zone, we're thinking of you, and we hope that it all works out well. 
And we really appreciate all the emails that you send us each week and um, and all the great ideas we get to hear about. Uh, a lot of people send us um, their um, their business plans and investment plans for their for their businesses, and there's some fantastic ones amongst them. And uh, we take on a number of them. And uh, currently, we have a couple of companies that. Uh, we're taking to IPO. We've got um, a couple that uh, we've done terrific joint ventures with and uh, another few that um, we're just raising capital for and a number that we're consulting on. So keep them coming in. We do go through them all and uh, we we pick out the best of them and, and work with them. But we'll, we'll work with everybody who um, has a great idea and who's an entrepreneur. When you send us your emails, we do our best to answer as many as we can on the air, but um, if we can't answer them on the air, we do get round to answering them off the air so that we want to make sure that um, we give everybody all the help that we possibly can. So 90% of the work that I do apart from this radio program is um, with speeches. Um, I speak all over the planet and uh, I love doing that and working with entrepreneurs and early stage companies and the reason I love this email segment is because it doesn't matter whether you're a, a plumber or you have a technology company, whether you're in the US or in Australia or the UK or India. We all have the same issues, and uh, this is borne out by the thousands of emails that we get. The first email tonight is from Jonathan Ellis from Albuquerque, New Mexico, and Jonathan writes, I heard you say a couple of weeks ago that the first thing you should do when you wake up in the morning is look at your competitor's website. I don't quite understand the motivations for doing this when you're constantly telling us to clearly differentiate ourselves from our competitors. Jonathan, it's critical that you differentiate yourself from your competitors, but you can learn a hell of a lot from them, and their websites and search rankings are a good place to start. Companies frequently put on their websites new products they might be releasing in the future, changes in focus for their marketing, even the agendas for the next sales meeting or their annual conference can give you a lot of information that will help you in the marketplace. There's also a hell of a lot of times where somebody in the company screws up and they put all sorts of stuff on the website that they don't mean to um, and if you go on there every day, you can catch it before it gets taken down. You can also search for the terms you'd like to rank on in search engines and see who ranks higher than you do, what kind of content and pages rank high, and how do they compare to your site. You can study how well your competitors' websites get their marketing message across and look at what products and services they're offering now and, and what they're looking to offer in the future. And while you're at it, Check page search results and see who's paying to rank high. Study their offerings and website and maybe even consider paid search advertising for your own business if the price and keywords are promising enough. So follow me on Facebook, on Twitter, Google+. Email me at bob at bobpritchard.com. Keep in touch. Send me your ideas for businesses. Send me your business plans, and uh, we get about uh, 15 or 20 a day. Keep them coming in. We really appreciate it. I hope you have a fantastic week. I hope you've enjoyed the show. And until next time, do some great business and kick some butt. We'll talk to you same time next week. 
You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.